This is Craig Hostetler, and I'd like to welcome you to the Black Sheep Experience. Thank you for hanging out with me on the podcast today. This is episode number 43. So thanks a lot for hanging out with me, man. I very much appreciate you, yeah, you know, being a part of the conversation. And so a couple of things before we jump into what I kind of want to talk to you about today. First of all, to those of you who have uh, recently followed the Black Sheep Experience, whether you've done that, I'm talking about the uh, social media presence aspect of that on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Man, I really appreciate that. Honestly, I'm not very um, active on the Twitter thing. I probably need to up my game on that. But Instagram and Facebook pretty active on that and so I really appreciate those of you that have followed those accounts if you haven't followed yet jump online and do that because I know it seems crazy but it makes a great deal of difference um, for the podcast also if you would share with those who are influenced by your social presence (laughs) uh, yeah so and I'm talking about just people that you're friends with on Facebook people that you follow and that follow you on Instagram, if you would let them know that this podcast exists, that would be a really big deal. And others of you who have not jumped on uh, iTunes in particular and rated the podcast, of course, with five stars, left a review, um, that also makes a great deal of difference. And so I would appreciate your help in doing that. Now, the podcast is is available on i uh well i guess you would call it iTunes still even though Apple's sort of getting rid of that deal but the podcast app what's available on that it's also available on Spotify Podcast Republic as well as all the really great places that you listen to podcasts the black sheep experience is available um on all those outlets so thanks man do that and let me know that you are out there and listening. You know, I always appreciate knowing that you guys have heard a podcast, enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so it makes a, it de- definitely makes a difference. Sorry, I'm having headphone issues there. All right, so last week I said something to you, and I kind of wondered how it may have sat um, with you and where you're at with it. Today, So my statement was uh, the religious trauma of this age is we are no longer shielded with ignorance or isolated by lack of knowledge. We are forced to face the ideas and wisdom of the faith and spirituality of nearly all religions or at least the vast majority of them. And we have found them regrettably delicious. (laughs) And so what I... I guess what I mean by that, I know in my own experience, now my primary tradition is Christianity. So I believe in the Christian message, and that's the thing that resonates most deeply with me. I, um, well, at least I was an ordained minister in that tradition and spent a large part of my life 
as a pastor in the Christian tradition. Now, um, so so that is deeply that deeply resonates with me. However, there are other traditions, other faiths that speak to me um, pretty deeply, and they mean quite a lot to me. And I think that they have expounded and expanded me as an individual, and also help explain some of the ways that we exist in the physical realm here in this world. So while I would still call myself a Christian, I'm in a place where I have allowed other faiths and other religions to really speak deeply to me. Now, um, what do I mean by that exactly is the wisdom found within Buddhism, the wisdom found within the Tao Te Ching, those things mean a great deal to me. In fact, I think that the teachings of Buddha, I'm talking about Siddhartha Gautama, um, I think are are incredibly practical, uh, enlightening, and uh, they've meant a great deal to me in the way that I view my personal existence here on the planet. Uh, in addition to that, the Tao Te Ching, which is a little more spiritual and deals quite a lot more with the God essence. Um, I, there's a lot of aspects within that that deeply resonate with me. Now, hanging on my wall, recently just purchased is the Wheel of the Year that comes from a lot of the Earth-based traditions. Um, and it deals with each facet within the year, you know, spring, summer, fall, the equinoxes, the solstices, things of that nature, and it gives meaning to them in an in a personably I'm sorry, in a personal, applicable way. And I've gleaned a great deal from that as well. So I've got that kind of hanging on the wall of my personal space here in my own home. And and, and so the quote that I referenced earlier, which was just from a podcast a week or so ago, is that there are other traditions that may not be our own personal tradition, but they've still brought a great deal of value to our lives. Now, I know that there's a lot of you out there that come from the Christian tradition, which is my uh, tradition as well, and for you to allow other faiths or other wisdoms to speak to you, that's a stretch for you. That's difficult for you. And I completely understand that because I also am in that place. But I have found that as I allow these other traditions to kind of speak to me, or these other religions to speak to me, that it it expands me as an individual, and it also adds a certain level of enjoyment to my existence. Um, Father Richard Rohr, who I absolutely love, and he's got a lot of great books out there if you haven't read any of them. The most uh, recent is The Universal Christ, which is an amazing book. But he says, I'm convinced that contemplation is the most radical thing that we can teach and live. And what I would like to talk to you uh, about today is the idea of experiencing God introspectively. 
the esoteric inner path that is present within each one of us, the spiritual practices of the contemplative path, which is the facing of ourselves, our ideas, our beliefs, and the deep penetrating um, voices, really, and convictions that exist deep within us. You know, it's an interesting thing to me. A lot of the early Christian esoteric um, practices believed that each one of us within us was this deep universe of individuality that desired to, well, desired maybe not isn't the right word, but but needed to be explored, finding out what we really think and and how we really feel and what are the true beliefs that resonate deep within us. And instead of ignoring those for the auspices and the, um, oh, regurgitation perhaps of traditions present, we dove deep into our own selves to find out what we really believed about the divine, what we really believed about God, what we really believed about our own existence and who we are as individuals. And I I do think that there's something about that that rings deeply, that resonates deeply with my own self, that God you know, and it's funny because we talk so often about the individualized experience, the individual relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God the Father. But yet our faith and the belief practices of our faith so often are uh, regurgitated. They're indoctrination of others. They are a superimposed system of beliefs you know, that are placed upon us personally. And there's not a lot of room for individuality within the Christian experience. Now, that's my own experience. That's what I've witnessed. That's what I've been a part of. I was ordained in a mainstream, um, uh, I guess, organization. And so, denomination. And so... Within that ordination, there were specific ideas and truths about God that were required to um, receive ordination from them, which is completely fine. I'm not, I'm not speaking out against that, but what I am saying is that oftentimes within the Christian experience, individuality isn't celebrated because um, what so often is sought after is duplication. Here's what I believe. Now I need to produce other people that believe exactly the same way that I do. And I'm not entirely sure that that is what the Christian experience in particular, the Jesus tradition is really about because so oftentimes I, I find Jesus teaching individuality. And so what I'd like to talk to you about today is the deep penetrating voices and convictions of our own spirit. Because I was raised in a basically 
non-religious home. My parents were, by and large, secular. I wouldn't say they were atheists, although my father was an atheist, but my mother certainly wasn't. And so I, I was raised in a, uh, a basically secular home. And so I was kind of allowed the liberty to let my own deep knowing. You know, Ralph Waldo Emerson, if you've heard the podcast very often, you know that I love him quite a lot. Ralph Waldo Emerson spoke about that there is a deep inner knowing within each man. And we have the opportunity to listen to that deep inner knowing and to allow it to speak into our lives, to reveal itself to us, which is our own true self, or the ability to ignore it completely and bury it deeper and deeper and deeper. And even though we do that oftentimes, most times we bury that voice deeper and deeper and deeper. The echoes that it's produced never fully go away. Now, I said that to say this. You know, as a child, I was very connected with nature. So I could feel the energy of the space that I was in, no matter where it was at, right? I could feel the vibration of it. And if you if you don't personally have that capability, that might sound a little strange to you. But it seems to me that each space has its own vibration. And I could pick up very quickly on that vibration. Now, in addition to that, I could feel the energy produced by trees and plants and the ground beneath me and uh, all those kinds of things. And I know that sounds really crazy, but it's something that's always been a deep part of who I am. Now, as a Christian, I suppress that. I never, ever let anyone know um, about that deep resonating experience that was a part of my, my composition but it's always been a very deep, powerful part of who I am. Now, it's not, it wasn't allowed in the Christian tradition that I was a part of, but um, still it was an, an undeniable portion of who I was. And this was before I'd ever, ever read anything about the New Age or you know, witchcraft or any of those kinds of things. In fact, what's interesting, uh, well, it's probably not that interesting. <laughs> It's probably not that interesting, but I'm going to tell you the story anyway. Um, as a young man, right after high school, 1987. Yeah, I'm an old guy. So 1987, I moved away. Right after graduation, I moved away to Phoenix, Arizona, which I absolutely loved the vibe that was there. I love the desert, man. I absolutely love it. In fact, one of the things that I want to do... Uh, before I go is um, take my that the, the, the beautiful blonde goddess that I am married to I, I want to take her out into the middle of the desert in the middle of the night just to feel the resonance and the power that's there but anyway I digress uh, so one of the things I loved deeply about the um about living in Phoenix was the vibration of the desert. Um, there's a feel, or, or at least for me, there was a feel that was present there. 
and where it was most powerful for me was like in the middle of the desert. So I would drive outside. I lived in Phoenix, so I would drive a few hours outside of Phoenix in just to the middle of the desert, which is so great because uh, I can't even explain to you how incredible the stars are from that perspective. But there was just this powerful resonance that vibrated. There was this energy. It was a, it was really amazing. So I moved back from Arizona to the Midwest and um, that particular vibration, I couldn't find that anywhere. It, it didn't present itself anywhere until we went to Eureka Springs, Arkansas. And the funny thing for me, uh, now I was a that was a hardline Pentecostal. And uh, we went to Eureka Springs, checked into the hotel. We got there late in the evening, checked into the hotel, right? And uh, at the time, my son, uh, I, I have several children, but the, the, my son that was with me uh, was, I don't know, dude, three, four, maybe year, uh, years old, maybe. And my daughter was right around a year, maybe a little less. And of course, as fate would have it, I left something, you know, in the vehicle. So had the opportunity to walk back to the car across that parking lot there in Eureka Springs. And there was this just this this powerful resonance again, the exact same vibration that I had felt um, in the desert of Arizona. And it was so powerful and it felt so welcoming to me. And and so I know that that a lot of you listen to that and you think, okay, well, this is a guy who's gone off the deep end. But for me, it's an involuntary, I guess, hmm, it's just an involuntary knowing that is within me. I can, I can sense the energy of the the world around me the nature that's around me the emotions of people that are around me I'm just uh, I'm just very in tune with that involuntarily and so I felt that once again there in uh, in Eureka Springs Arkansas and so it wasn't until years later as I begin to read up a little bit on things like witchcraft and 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 uh, I guess pr- uh, traditions of that vein that that is something that is oftentimes associated with that practice. And I, I just thought it was so interesting. And there were several practices, shielding and grounding, uh, things of that nature, that I had always practiced throughout the, the years of my existence. I didn't know they were witchcraft, but essentially they're a part of that practice. I just found that very interesting. So I guess that's a that's a long way around saying I'm sure that there are some of you who there are things that deeply resonate with you, but they're not necessarily a part of the religious tradition that you have chosen to be a part of. Uh, in my case, Christianity, although if you look historically, it is a part of that tradition, but the last several hundred years, it's really been kidnapped by a very liturgical, um, austere, um, I don't know how to word it really, but just this kind of dead cold idea about who God is. And it got rid of a lot of those kinds of things. But what I'm encouraging you to 
to do today is to allow those voices, for those of you that have had this same experience, to allow those voices to, I think, wake come to light once again allow them to speak to you once again and as we begin to hear this voice and to give room for it to speak permission to voice i think a couple of things become present now in my own life as i have given myself the liberty to do this i've allowed the trees to uh god this sounds so corny man but i've allowed the trees to once again you know, almost, um, oh, not, not audibly speak, but, but, but convey their energy as I've allowed the earth to once again convey its energy or the day to convey its energy or the moon or the stars or the sun to convey the energy that it, that it just produces naturally. But I've allowed that to, I've, I've allowed myself to pick up on that. Um, there have been a few things that I've been concerned about, and perhaps you listening have also felt that same vibe. You know, so deep within you, there are inherent gifts from God, uh, clairvoyance, clairsentient, clairconscience. There's a bunch of them, and they're a part of who you naturally are. Perhaps you were even created that way. And as you desire to dive in and to allow those voices to become audible once again audible not necessarily in an audible way (laughs) but audible in a sense that you allow yourself to think hear feel sense whatever the case may be um there have been a couple of things maybe that you've been concerned about because let's face it none of us want to go to hell right which is such a weird ass theology but it's present within us and i don't think it's something that we can get rid of easily that fear of going to hell so there are a couple of things that present themselves and the first thing for me was the need to let go of attachments you have had some ideas about god about yourself about heaven and hell about love and angels and demons and the list goes on and on and on and how many of those ideas are really deep convictions now hear me out for just a second being afraid of something that is a mental um mindset Having a deep conviction goes beyond thought. It's a deep resonance within you. So how many of the ideas that you have right now about God, heaven, hell, demons, all those kinds of of things, how many of those are truly deep convictions And how many of those ideas are beliefs that are merely superimposed from influential people, organization, religious services, subcultures, or social conditioning? I mean, really, as scary as it may be, uh, the Church of the Christ, at least as seen in the Bible, seems to be a people that followed the deepest conviction of their heart even to the extent that these followers used um, their Bible, better known as the Torah,
Torah as the ground from which they allowed the revelation of the Christ to take form as opposed to being an imprisonment that they allowed the Christ to form. Does that make sense? Think about it for a moment. I think that a lot of us, our biblical read isn't the foundation of our Christian experience. It is the boundaries of our Christian experience. Which is interesting because, um, and I can't quote chapter and verse, but there's a particular verse that says, if all the things that Jesus did, if we recorded all the things that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough books to even contain all the things that he did. And and so we realize um, that we don't have the entire story, right? Um, We don't have the entire story. Yeah, so uh, I'm... I pulled it up on my phone here. It's John 21 and 25. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And so you understand that what John is saying is Jesus did so many things that the majority of those things aren't even written down. The vast majority of the actions, the the words, the ideas, the the miracles, most of those weren't even written down. And if I wrote down, John is saying, if I, if if we wrote down everything that Jesus did and said, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain them. So what we know about Christ, while it's essential, and I think complete in its own way um, it doesn't contain everything and so so many times the Bible doesn't become the platform from which we form our faith it's the boundaries that form our faith and so as scary as it may be the church of the Christ the Messiah uh, seems to be people that the deepest conviction of their heart played a large role in who they perceived Jesus to be. If you're anything like me, you have this deep beckoning within your soul, a voice in your own wilderness calling you, and the time to answer that call is right now. This is not the rejection of your own faith. It is the expansion of it, the blossoming of it. Richard Rohr, who I mentioned earlier, stated uh, the primary addiction for all humans is addiction to our own way of thinking. And for so many of us, we're addicted to the mental processes, um, uh, the the paths that have been uh, grooved within our own minds. And for so many of us, we don't want to escape those processes. We don't want to escape that superimposition. We don't want to escape the boundaries of the doctrines that have been thrown upon us. And for a lot of us, we have rejected the deep inner knowing. 
We've rejected the deep inner knowing of, of that God voice within us that speaks to us and leads us and guides us. You know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit uh, leads and guides us and we don't even need a teacher. But what have we done here in the last days, which have been the last couple hundred years? We've heaped around us teachers who are itching ears want to hear. And you know what? All those fundamentalists and all those legalistic Christians, they think that that means, well, they're going to heap, we're going to, we're going to gather around us all these new age teachers and all these liberals and all these, you know, oh man, I mean, we could just go on and on and on, but no, what we've actually done, those itching ears, Those were itching ears that didn't want to discover on their own. They didn't want to take the time to explore. They didn't want to take the time to hear the voice of God, to hear their own deep eternal resonance within them and explore who it is that God created them to be. What they wanted in lieu of that was, let me pursue the things of this world while you hand me my beliefs, my ideas about God. That's the itching ears thing. That's the, that's the, dude, in Paul's story, we find this spiritual pattern. We could even call Paul an archetype for this pattern. And the pattern is when people begin to question and move from what they thought they knew, what they thought was solid, their own thinking, the superimposed traditions, the deeply held beliefs, to a powerful realization of there's more, something more, and perhaps a more complete transition exists within me. The voice that is deep within me, the gnosis that is deep within me, isn't the voice of the devil. It isn't the voice of liberalism. It isn't the voice of new age. It isn't the voice of me. It's not the slippery slope. It's not me backsliding, but instead it's the very voice of God. The Apostle Paul said in um, Galatians chapter 1, For you've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing beyond many of my own age among my people. I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father's so Paul has within him these extremely rigid and deeply rooted thoughts and processes that he practiced. And not only was it mentally accepted, practice since he had been a young child, it was his identity. But he has this incredibly spiritual encounter with the Christ. Um it's internal it's spiritual it it is intensely metaphysical cosmic even paul sees a light and none of the others saw this light paul hears a voice and some texts say that nobody else heard the voice and other texts say they heard it but they couldn't understand it <laughs> it's quite a story it's in acts chapter 22 but his conversion, the conversion of Paul, the, the transition of Paul is internal. It's metaphysical. It's experiential. Well before it's mental. 
well before it's theological. The conversion of Paul is a personal experience with the living God. Um, Richard Rohr, who is much of the, obviously the inspiration for a lot of what I'm saying here, but he says in the Universal Christ, um, his latest uh, book, for the rest of his life, talking about the Apostle Paul, Paul becomes obsessed with this Christ. Obsessed is not too strong a word. However, in his letters, Paul rarely quotes Jesus himself directly. Rather, he writes from a place of trustful communication with the divine presence who blinded him on the road. Paul's driving mission was to demonstrate that Jesus was the Christ, which is why he called uh, which is why we are called Christians to this day and not Jesuits. Cribbing the encounter in his letter to the Galatians, Paul writes a most telling line. He does not say God revealed his son to me, as you might expect. Instead, he says, God revealed his son in me. And I, I absolutely love that line. This is a great point, and I think it's one that we miss almost all the time, most of the time for sure. God is revealing and unfolding who he is in us. And, and I, I, I get that theology matters, but I think that it has gotten much, much more significance than it ever deserved or was intended to have, certainly more than even the Bible itself places upon it. And yes, the Bible talks about doctrine. I'm not negating that. But it doesn't talk about it as much as we do. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells that God is revealing things to us through his spirit and that the spirit searches the deep things and reveals them to us. So we have to let go of some of these attachments. And the next thing is that God is spirit. So in your unfolding, in your expansion, number one, you have to let go of some of these attachments, right? Theology, doctrine, fear. The second thing you have to realize is that God is spirit. These words spoken by Jesus Christ, they can be found in the Gospel of John 4.24. Jesus conveys a powerful and important reality that we have to let settle in. Um, we, we have to contemplate it. Jesus says, um, those who worship God will worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, why does Jesus mention it? Why is it important? And what does it have to do with you and I? Spirit, even in those days, meant life. And so Jesus is stating that God is alive and that our worship, our relationship, our experience with him should be very much alive. And this would be in contrast to the simple adherences to legislation um, that were that were that are present today, and they were certainly also present in that day. Empty sacrifices, empty rituals, um, 
And it also contrasts, I think, many of the other religions present in that day whose gods were idols. They were stone. They were, were uh, wood, uh, things of that nature. They were graven images. This God, the one that Jesus spoke of, was very much alive. His essence uh, he's he, he, essence, he's action, he's presence, he's being, he's communicative uh, or, or, or communicative. Uh, this God speaks, he leads, he gives personal, even individualized insight. Um, Matthew chapter 16, it's, it's become one of my more favorite verses in the Bible, although I hate the fact that well, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I hate the fact that we've divided it up into all these verses, chapters and verses, because I think it takes away a little bit from the intention. But I digress. One of my more favored, I guess, passages or, 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 or parts of the story is found in Matthew 16. And they're the Jesus and his disciples they're in the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asks his disciples and I'm reading now who do people say the son of man is verse 14 they replied some say John the Baptist others say Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets but what about you Jesus asked who do you say I am and Simon Peter answered you are the Messiah the son of the living God and Jesus replied blessed are you Simon son of Jonah this is the part I want you to really hear for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood but by my father in heaven now this is what we call Gnosis. In the Bible, practiced by a disciple, affirmed by Jesus. When he says, this hasn't been revealed to you by flesh and blood, what he's saying to Simon Peter is, look, you didn't realize that I was the Messiah based on your Jewish education. You didn't figure this out by studying the Bible, the Torah, as it were. You didn't figure this by adding up all the prophecies that you knew about me. There was an intellectual thought that brought this truth about in you. The reason that you know this, that I am the Messiah, the Son of the living God, is because the divine revealed it within you. Like Richard Rohr said earlier, Paul said, you know, it's not that Christ is being made or, 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 or God revealed his son to me, but instead he says, God revealed his son in me. It's the same thing. And Jesus is saying that to Peter. He's saying, look, you didn't get this from intellect. You didn't get this from knowledge. This is a revelation that has occurred, a divine revelation that has occurred deep within you. Now, I, I don't disagree that there's a danger in 
living off of our own personal divine revelations as they were because we can get things wrong. However, it does seem to be something that's very important and even a critical part of the Christian tradition. Gnosis defined would be something like this. Knowledge from experience, especially experience of divinity, or that which is beyond the five senses. The word gnosis does not refer to knowledge received by external indoctrination. Gnosis is conscious metaphysical knowing, not merely intellectual, conceptual, external indoctrination or knowledge belief or theory. Instead, it's an intuitive comprehension of truths, an esoteric form of knowledge. So what you're seeing here in the in the text is Simon Peter has revealed to him who it is that Jesus is, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus makes the statement, Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. This doesn't come from a writing. This doesn't come from something physical. This doesn't come from Peter's vast knowledge of Jewish tradition, uh, prophetic texts found within the Torah, any of that. How does Peter know who Jesus is? This is the Jesus tradition. How does he know? The divine reveals the truth within Peter. Not outside of him, but inside. Spirit is metaphysical. It's invisible. And Jesus is making the statement that the connection with God is a metaphysical practice. It's a deep communion from the deepest part of us to the deepest part of him. And the communion is just that our spirit to he, to God, who is spirit. And from him who is spirit to us, who is also spirit, which in reality is all that we really are. I, I, I hate to state a quote so often repeated. In fact, it is repeated so often that I'm not even sure of the origin from this point. I mean, I've said that I, I've heard this quote many, many times. I love it. I have no idea who originally said it. However, the truth is so profound. I think it's restated, uh, worth restating. And the quote is this, we are not a human having a spiritual experience. We are a spirit having a human experience. And I think that's important. You know, in my Christian experience, there would be few who were well uh, or, or better versed in doctrine than I was. I, I loved doctrine. I studied it like crazy. I knew all the points of it. I could argue it, which is sad, but I could argue it with the best. I knew it deeply. And so it, it and it's my forte, quite frankly. So it is with a certain amount of pain that I reject that. 
and I realized that doctrine. And I had a friend of mine uh, who once told me this, uh, who probably doesn't agree with where I'm at now, but still, he once said this. He said, "You know, doctrine is merely man's best attempt to explain God, to explain the infinite, to explain the inexplicable, to explain that which is beyond." Uh, words and definitions and all those kinds of things and so we put together all these ideas all these phrases all these statements about god and it's kind of crazy really matthew chapter 15 which is another one of my favorites right jesus says this people draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips but their heart is far from me in vain they worship me teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. Truth in this Greek word is... I don't know. It's just such an interesting statement to me. My wife gets on to me all the time because I say things and that I don't finish the sentence. But, but let me digress just for a moment. Jesus makes a statement. He says, these, this, these people, they, they draw near to me with their... With their mouth, they honor me with their lips. They say all the, you know, seemingly all the right things. But their heart, you know, their heart isn't with me. Their heart doesn't draw near to me. Their heart doesn't have affection for me. And I think that so many times that's really where so much of the Christian experience comes from. A doctrinal decree, a devotion to a statement, you know, to a doctrinal statement, to a belief statement. But the heart isn't there. Um, yeah. You know, John 4 and 24, which we referenced earlier. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. You know, some scholars, not all, but some state that what Jesus was saying was this God. Wasn't a God of liturgy, wasn't a God of of ritual, but this God had to be worshipped by metaphysical intention with the whole heart. The the Greek word, which I was getting ready to talk about earlier, but I realized I hadn't read the verse yet. <laughs> the Greek word uh, is aletheia, which literally means the state of not being hidden. And so some scholars say, and again, not all, because I want to be completely honest with you, but some scholars say that what Jesus was saying there is you have to worship me, first of all, metaphysically, connect with me on a level different than physical and wholeheartedly, which I think is a much better read than, you know, doctrinally correct. But I would think that, right? Um G.K. Chesterton once wrote, your religion is not the church that you belong to, but the cosmos that is alive inside of you. 
So the whole thing is a temple. You are a temple. Your words are a temple. The practices that you hold are a temple. What you eat, what you do, where you go, it's all a temple. The air we breathe, the streets we drive, the food we eat. It's all a temple, and God fills the whole thing. And so when you honor nature, you honor God. Not because nature is God, but because in some fashion, God is nature. God is food. God is, as blasphemous as this may sound, a red light. For those of you that uh, listen to this podcast, you know I hate red lights. But the whole thing is a temple, man. All of it. Every part of it. As important as the thoughts in our own minds are, there seems to be an illuminated, deeper resonance of truth. Deeper. At the very core, the intangible parts of whom we are. The spirit of truth. The Bible says that the world is unable to receive because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he remains within you and will be in you. Second uh, Corinthians 4 says, Therefore we do not despair because even if our physical body is wearing away, our inner person is being renewed day by day. And so the Bible has a repetitive set of statements about what's going on deep within us, that what's happening deep within us, that's where life is really occurring. It isn't this avatar, this body that transports our our or transports our spirit from place to place or work to work or gains a paycheck or whatever. It's deeper than that. Life unfolds within us, not on the outside of us. The cosmos, they don't merely exist outside of us, but within us. Meister Eckhart, who's a favorite mystic of mine, said, Spirituality is not to be learned by flight from the world or by running away from things or by turning solitary or going apart from the world. Rather, we must learn an inner solitude wherever or with whomever we may be. We must learn to penetrate things and find God there, deep within. And I think that that's true spirit. In fact, I think that not only is it true spirituality, I think it's true Christianity. How many of us, if we were to be honest, would say, you know, the vast majority of my Christian experience has been external of me. It's been on the outside of me. It's been a superimposition of morality. It's been a superimposition of politics. It's been a superimposition of beliefs. It's been a superimposition of all these ideas. And some of them don't even deeply resonate with me. And for the most part, I have ignored the voice deep within. Now, I'm not negating experiences that you've had or the ability of God to reach you through you know, another rendition of that, of your favorite Hillsong praise and worship tune, right? And I've had those. I've had moments in traditional 
you know, contemporary worship that were that were really meaningful to me. I've had moments in traditional hymns, you know, that that I sang in churches. I don't go to church anymore, but they were deeply meaningful to me. So I'm not negating that, I'm not, and I'm not cheapening that experience. But I do think that God wants deeper. I do think this experience with the Christ is more than theology. It's more than doctrine. It's more than being a Baptist or Methodist or Pentecostal or even a Christian. It's deeper than that. And while my own personal tradition is Christ and Him crucified, the same as the Apostle Paul, and that's where I stand. I still think the vast majority of us are limiting ourselves. You know, it's interesting. I posted something on uh, Instagram on the Black Sheep Experience just the other day. And um, it was a book that I had been turned on to. I think it's called The Christian Witch Handbook. I think that's what it's called. The author's name is Fuller. I'm sorry I don't remember it at this moment, but... Um, it's a very interesting book. So anyway, I posted it on Instagram. You know what? I think I should find this for you. The Christian Witchcraft Handbook by H. Fuller Hutchinson. So I, I, I'm sorry about that. But that's what the name of the book is. Anyway, it, it's a very interesting book. It's a great read. So I posted it on Instagram because I always like to present the things that I'm reading or studying to those that follow that particular account and one guy so I said hey does anybody know about this book anybody have any thoughts on it and one individual said do you know the definition of oxymoron so I totally love those posts (laughs) so stupid dude and I said yeah like non-judgmental Christian right um because that's that is our immediate response. Well, I think it's wrong, so it's wrong. You know, I've, I haven't given any thought to it. I haven't given any intellectual prowess to it. I definitely haven't searched the deep recesses of my soul. So let me just make a quick judgment and post it publicly. So yeah, I, I yeah I don't like that very much. But anyway, I found the book extremely introspective and interesting and in many ways uh, resonated very deeply with who I am. So how many of you are following that deep resonating voice within you? How many of you are lining that up with the Christ, the Messiah, How many of you are experiencing God on that deep, resonate, resonant level that is spirit? How many of you are worshiping in spirit and in truth? I'm not, I'm not saying that it's an easy thing to do, and it's certainly not a judgment. It's an invitation. I mentioned this, I think, in the last podcast, perhaps, but one of the most incredibly enriching practices that I've added to my life is daily meditation. Now, if you don't like the word meditation, call it prayer. Call it contemplation. 
I really don't care. But all the lights go out, a couple of candles get lit, um, maybe a small accent light here and there, right? And I sit in the dark, or in that dim light, without any thoughts from the outside creeping in. And I just let God speak. I let that divine resonance deep within me speak. And it has been energizing and, and powerful and really wonderful. And I think what God wants more than the intellectual ascent of our own minds is the passion of our heart, the very deep resonance of our own soul. And so, no judgment, merely an invitation. Maybe now is a good time for you to find. You know, when Jesus asks, and who do you say that I am? Maybe now is the time for your answer. You know, your answer to come forth. Not what your pastor said or what the Methodist Church said or the Baptists or the Pentecostals or the Assemblies of God or whoever else has issued a doctrinal statement. What does your own voice, how does your own voice answer that question? So, yeah. All right, man, that's it. Uh, I'm probably past the point of rambling, but I wanted to share that with you guys today. I don't know, man. I, I, I am finding myself more alive internally, deep within, resonating deeper with the Spirit of God, the presence, the animation, the, the whomever it is that he truly is. I'm, I'm resonating more deeply with that. I want to invite you to do that too. Not my way, but your way. All right, guys, I'm out of here. Once again, man, please, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, jump on there. Follow the Black Sheep Experience. Let me know what you thought of this podcast. Additionally, uh, if you would, share this on your social media presence. People love you, dude. So let them know (laughs) that you love this. uh, Well, even that you like it moderately enjoy it whatever the case may be let them know man let those people that you're influencing um let them know that this uh this podcast exists all right guys thank you very much god bless you see you next week done